0: And welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. We're brought to you by Wenting's Cycle and Mission. Here's your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is ultra. Mention that word to Bruce or any staff member the next time you are at Wenting's, and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is ultra. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. With the running season in full swing, it's time for you to take a swing at a personal best. Whether that's a 5K, 10K, even a marathon, TriJoy can help. We'll meet with you in person to discuss your goals, make a training plan, and give you the support you need to achieve them. Email for your free in-person consultation. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. See the link at the bottom of this page. On our program today, part one of a feature interview with one of Abbotsford's ultra-athletes. Ryan Shepard is our guest. I'll have your race results from the big trail races held in the Valley last weekend. Mikey Ross is back with his top five list, and Zach Newfeld is back with another edition of Between the Ears. This time, Zach takes aim at positive self-talk and how being able to take a compliment may make you a faster athlete. 40 minutes of positive fit speak begins right now. And welcome again to the Roundtable, this segment of the FitSpeed podcast, kind of dedicated to uh, shooting the poo, uh, a big weekend down here in the Fraser Valley. We had a bunch of running events, of which I had no part of, but uh, Zach Neufeld was part of a running race in Abbotsford known as the Valley Vertikiller. Tell us about your exploits over the weekend, Zach.
1: I uh, had the pleasure of doing a my first relay ever, uh, I did it with a friend of mine, and we got first place in the the relay portion, you, it was a 16k relay uh, on Sumas Mountain. So. And Josh Bergen was the guy who uh, shared first place honors with you. Yes, he gave me a, a healthy two minute lead uh, to start and uh, I was able to hold that until the finish line. So. How did you happening. celebrate at the finish line? High five the race director, mm-hmm. um, just walked it off I guess and
0: also part of the valley verticular our special guest coming up in the later part of the podcast is ultra runner extraordinaire from the fraser valley ryan shepherd now ryan you weren't racing at the valley verticular but you were uh, a crucial part of the day tell us about what you did on the mountain
2: yeah well i started off by shaking a cowbell and cheering really loud for uh, great runners like zach and then uh partnered up with uh, Marina Stryker, a good friend of mine, to uh, sweep the course. and So what does it mean to the sweep flights? the
0: course for us lay folks who aren't too versed?
2: Uh, so yeah, we were volunteers. Actually, the Abbotsford Trail Running Club that puts on the race is very close to my heart, one of the founding members. but uh, So anyway, I volunteered my time, and uh, yeah, we basically just follow around the last runner, make sure there's nobody laying dead on the trail, and <laughs> uh, take down the ribbons and clean up the mountain as we go, you know? So uh, yeah, I got to run the whole... 25K route at a pretty nice casual taper run pace, which Mm -hmm. is good with what I got coming up and yeah. One day out
0: there, and Ryan's the going to be telling us more about his adventures in Arizona coming up later in the podcast. Also, over the weekend on that same day, Saturday, big day for trail racing out near Cultus Lake in Chilliwack, That area, we had uh, FitSpeak co-host Mikey Ross doing some running on the trails of his own, and I saw him trying to make his way up the stairs here to <laughs> the FitSpeak studios. Um, I think my sloth moves faster than you man. Tell us about what you did.
3: Yeah, I did the around the lake give or take 30 because it's not quite 30 and it was we had awesome weather. We had great participation. They sold out months ago a lot of relay people and a lot of solos. They got rid of the 60k. That was a bit much, but there's 30k <laughs> race, and uh, I just really am happy with the turnout, but my legs are still telling me they're kind of pushed hard there Ross, but that's what it's all about.
0: And that is your roundtable.
3: Hi, I'm Mike Ross, and this week on Fitspeak, I offer five tips for finding sources of inspiration. These sources may be embedded in your long-term memory or... They may come as a complete surprise to you, shifting your entire universe, or snapping you into a new frame of mind, or a new way of seeing, perhaps at a crucial moment. Maybe it's a poster, a quote, or a song lyric. It could be a shout out in a race from a friend, or even better, a total stranger. My sources of inspiration change frequently, and here's why. If you look and listen, inspiration is right there in front of you all the time. Here are my current top five. They actually all came into play in the very last race I was in, so I can honestly say they're field tested. Number one, moments. This is a long run moment which was simply striking and a first in my life. While running on Matsque Trail a few early Sunday mornings ago, My usually very quiet running buddy exclaimed, Did that just happen? The low-lying, thick morning mist that we had been slicing through in our run simply dissolved in seconds as the wonderful sun came up over the mountain. I don't believe I've ever seen anything like it. It was pure magic and wonderful fuel for many long runs to come. Number two, music. Buffy St. Marie and Tanya Tagak's Polaris Prize winning song, You've Got to Run. Its relentless drum beat is perfectly matched to the leg turnover you need for a tempo run. My favorite line is the title, because for me, I've honestly got to run. Search it out on YouTube. See if it works for you. Number 3. Mantras Full credit goes to Kevin Hines for one of my favorite mantras. He said it to me many years ago, and I pull it out of my emergency motivation toolbox every time I have even an instant of disappointment or self-doubt when training or racing. It's simple, but it's powerful for me. Be grateful, not greedy. I say it out loud to myself and the universe when I need it most, and it works like a charm. Number four. Memories. The more specific the memory the better it works for me to pacify my squirrely race brain. My favorite is an intersection moment when in a race you are passing or being passed. I particularly love it when my race number is shouted out and I am relentless in doing that to others. Number five, memes. Even without the visuals that often accompany them on social media Just the right little saying can stick with you and pop into your race brain when needed most. Fellow Fraser Valley athlete Jerry Sinclair hits the nail on my head with his 100% positive memes. My latest favorite was actually just posted this week. You have nothing to prove to anyone. That frees you to just be. Thanks for listening, and I wonder if maybe just one or even two of my top fives made your list as well.
0: One of the neat things about having your own podcast is the great people you get to meet. In our previous Fit Speaks, we introduced you to a guy who had a love affair with Whoppers and beer, and then became one of Canada's fastest guys at the half-iron distance in triathlon. That was Nathan Killam. We also introduced you to the former farmer and two-pack-a-day guy who turned a rusty life of overworking at his day job to becoming a Kona qualifying Ironman. That was Pat Landamore. And of course, nobody can mention beer and smokes and burgers without mentioning that beacon of energy and positive endurance athletics, Chad Bentley, who last year completed the epic five triathlons and raised thousands of dollars for lower mainland charities. This week we get to meet another uber athlete. A couple of years back, he weighed more than George Foreman did in his prime. He was also a regular desk jockey smoker, but then found running. Now he's competing in ultra-distance marathons. Abbotsford's Ryan Shepard is our guest, and he's going to tell us about how he made this amazing transformation. And welcome to another edition of Fitspeak the Fraser Valley's Fitness, Wellness, and endurance Sports Podcast. I'm Kevin Hines in the Fraser Valley, and it is a wet, soggy, windy, and somewhat memorable night. It is election night here in Canada, and it looks like the Liberals under uh, Justin Trudeau are well on their way to another government. Uh, right now, I think the only thing that needs to be decided is whether Trudeau's government is going to get the majority that it was craving or the minority government. But uh, it looks like the votes from Quebec and Ontario are in. And as usual, us in BC are going to be playing a, a minor supporting role, despite what the media has been saying for, for the months. Perhaps a few uh, surprises, upsets locally, but uh, we'll find out in a couple of hours. But right now we're turning the tide, our tables, from politics to long-distance sports, and the longest of them all. Um, we're with ultra-runner Ryan Shepard. Ryan, glad to finally meet you. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for taking the time, and thank you for making the trip over. Uh, you had a bit of an adventure to get here.
2: <laughs> well, I circled the blocks a few times, so it <laughs> wasn't the most epic adventure, but uh, good rainy fun. <laughs>
0: I notice you're wearing a funky green watch. What's that?
2: That is a uh, Suunto watch. So it's a Finnish company that they make really good GPS. Uh they rival Garmin in the the mountain running community, I would say. Um yeah, definitely a great watch. How long have you had that for? A couple years. I think the battery's starting to go on me a little bit. Doesn't quite have the the life it used to have, but I got it for its 20-hour battery life and the fact that I could charge it on the fly. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, during a run without pausing it or anything. So it's good for when you're going long. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Uh, how long in the tooth are you, Ryan? How old are you right now?
2: I am 36 years old. 36 years old. Although and I still get ID'd on occasion. <laughs> that, that's a good
0: thing. That's a very good thing. Um, what's your day job?
2: I'm a structural engineer with IQ Engineering out in Abbotsford there. At a small consulting firm. And busy days for you right now? Pretty busy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: going back home, is the Fraser Valley your original home area?
2: Uh, born and raised in Surrey. yeah. In Surrey, okay. made my way out east as the, uh, uh-huh. the housing was a little more affordable that way. and I, I love it in Abbots Road, found some, some great trails to run, and uh, some great people, and yeah, haven't looked back. So, going back to your uh, childhood there, what kind of sports were you into as a kid? I wasn't much of an athlete, um, I, I played a little house soccer, hockey, softball, I was a decent softball pitcher actually, I could really mm. sling that slingshot, um, but uh, no, I, I had pretty much dropped out of all sports by about grade 9, 10, hockey was my last sport that I stayed with and uh, had a kind of injury plague season mm. with a, a bad concussion that ended the season, uh, kind of a cheap shot, oh, a <laughs> headshot. But I won't get into that. But uh, my mom, being quite the uh decided that was it for hockey. They weren't going to sign me up anymore. Mm. And I kind of went a different way. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so not much of an athlete growing up. What about your parents? Did they Were they into sports at all? Uh, my dad was a, a fairly good dirt biker in his day. Well, that's um, that's a full so, contact Yeah, pretty, sure. pretty reckless, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, no, not much. Yeah, just... Brothers Total and sisters? People. I have a sister who is two years younger me than me and quite athletic, actually. She played rap everything. Oh, um, okay. uh, ringette and uh, softball as well. And, uh, yeah, she was more of the... The high achiever in that that realm of life—that's for sure. Well, but, maybe
0: uh, you, maybe you showed her up in the long.
2: Term. <laughs> I got her in the long haul. Uh-huh. Eh? <laughs> Any heroes
0: growing up as a kid in Surrey, whether they were sports heroes or music heroes? Did you have a picture of
2: Ozzy Osbourne on your wall? What was that looking like? <laughs> um, I was a big Kurt Cobain fan. Okay. so if you're, since you go on music. Yeah. Uh, more and more recently, and and really, he was always a hero. Has been Terry Fox. Actually, my. Very first ultra distance I did was kind of through the running room when, uh, in April, they were doing their let's all, all the running rooms get together and oh, run yeah. uh, uh, however many miles for Terry, and they kind of paired it with their clinic's long run and whatnot, and yeah, I did my first, uh, I kind of unsupported 50k alongside their marathon clinic, and then kept going for another 20 afterwards to get my, get my miles in and show up back at the store and put it on the clock there, or, or on their, their score sheet of Italian miles, and like I say, Terry Fox is I mean, he's every runner's hero, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, um, yeah, he's, he's always struck a chord with me, that's for sure, and I've done that run a few
0: times now. So, how many kilometers are you talking about? That first, I mean, I know... Well, that, that,
2: was, a, that was a 50-kilometer run. A 50 I, kilometer. I, the next year, I did 50 miles for the Terry Fox run, mm-hmm. so 80 kilometers, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah.
0: So, was that your introduction to long-distance running? That was, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Actually, was...
2: I hadn't even run a marathon at that point, and I just, yeah, I was like, oh, nice day out. It's Terry Fox run, you know, uh, see, let's see what happens. Right. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it hurt, but uh, at the same time it felt kind of right. You know, it's kind of nice to get uncomfortable once in a while in this very comfortable world, you know? Yeah. And you said it was an unsupported run. So you must have. Uh, Oh, sorry. I I should say that the the 20K after the marathon clinic was unsupported. Mm. uh, A very nice uh, running room coach or clinic leader was following us around in in his hatchback, and he had some bacon and all sorts of goodies in in the back there. So, Mm. yeah, so the whole thing wasn't unsupported. I I should rephrase that. Mm. But.
0: So what you uh, kept you going? So you did this Terry Fox run, fifty miles. Um, had you done any previous like ten Ks before that? Or yeah, how yeah. Was your so
2: history? going going backwards, um, when my daughter was born, who's now nine, I started kind of realizing that I was very much overweight, and uh, I was two hundred and thirty pounds at that point, which might not be a lot if it was if I was solid muscle, but there was zero muscle on me, and I have a very thin frame. Um, so you can imagine what two hundred and thirty pounds would
3: look like on me i was how, very how pear-shaped
2: I'm, I'm six, feet, six but, uh, feet but six feet but right 30, now i'm but... 148 pounds right so okay uh which maybe is a little too light but uh but anyways as you can see like you know I'm, i've got a thin frame mm. but anyways uh i was you know getting very sedentary and uh you know, bad had a best job and i was a smoker at that point and mm. uh you know still like the beverages so i can't say i really stopped that but i have stopped smoking um but i realized you know i I'm a father now. I've mm-hmm. I've got a daughter. Um, you know I've I've got to turn things around. I don't like the way things are trending. I've been just piling on the weight since I had kind of settled down into structural engineering desk job. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, decided to turn things around. So my very first 10K was a little bit after that in 2013. So six years ago, mm-hmm. and it was the run for water one. Oh, in, of course, for uh, the there. The big new local running exactly. race in Abbott's
0: for for so many years it used to be uh the police run right uh but yeah. yeah the run for water has just exploded and that's uh what's gotten
2: a lot of people into their first 5k 10k absolutely a, even longer distances yeah and for me my uh, my boss rob quiring actually he's one of the head organizers of run for water so there's yeah. a bit of like get some brownie points there you know mm-hmm. fairly new in the office at that point still okay. and uh, yeah, so maybe a couple different motivations for it, but it certainly was, like I say, I was starting to lose some pounds and I wanted to, yeah, go and join this great event. And uh, like I say, the rest is kind of history. It, it started off a little slow. I, I, you know, would kind of train just for Run for Water. I did it a few years in a row. and So what and was the of... early training like? How Because
0: obviously you're doing incredible stuff right now I was <laughs> yeah. just reading you just went for a fun run for like 40 or 42 kilometers along Matsque trail but that's that's the new Ryan tell us about Ryan version 1.0 the early days just getting those you know kilometers in for yeah for water
2: yeah it, I mean it was just to try to survive a 10k mm-hmm. right you know I would work up to maybe six or 7k in my in my training and uh running was not the passion it is now at that point it was to get to get fit to get healthy like um, and, and i in. was having i was having a bit of fun too but yeah. it, you know you know the fun was more after the run was over type yeah. of thing and the the feelings of satisfaction and all that but uh it was it was hard yeah it, uh, i mean when i started started running i could barely run a mile right and it was uh, it was a slog but uh you know i'd finish a 5k and it would finish it would feel absolutely epic i'd come home and lay in the bath and oh woe is me i just killed myself you know mm-hmm. and it, it's fun to look back at that because with what i'm doing now but yeah. uh it uh yeah it's it's funny how it it can change and, and really it was moving to abbotsford that changed it for me um meeting some locals that like the local trails mm-hmm. realizing that Ledgeview and sumas were basically in my backyard and yeah. uh Because, yeah, I was a roadrunner for, yeah, a number of years until start of 2016, kind of. -hmm. And uh, that's when it really took off for me from kind of weekend warrior, just training for Run for Water and to maintain a reasonable level of of health. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became... Something different. Mm-hmm. It's not about losing weight anymore. That's for sure. No, it's not. <laughs>
0: it's maybe about
2: keeping. Some yeah, I, I struggle on. to keep the weight yeah. on.
0: Actually, it's it's an incredible transformation. Maybe after the podcast, you can give us some before hmm. and after pictures for yeah. our, our listeners just to see what a dramatic change it might have been. So yeah. um, obviously, uh, the the drive, the motivation was there. You just needed the the opportunity, whether it was a social opportunity or a, a geographical opportunity to, to strut your stuff. Hmm. Um,
2: along this journey it would be interesting. how is your wife's support along the way? Uh, she's very good in general. there have been times where I've been peaking for races and you know I it's my training is a little much I try to balance it. As best I can. I do most of my running when everybody's asleep. Oh, okay. Um,
0: Either my... in the early, early morning or... I'm,
2: I'm more of a night owl. Most night, of my oh, runs okay. happen after 10 p.m. Oh, really? <laughs> as far as the weekday uh, work goes, you know, mm-hmm. going out and slamming some work on the roads. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'll go for the morning adventures on the weekend and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I say, it's been about finding balance. And uh, I wasn't maybe great at that when I first started getting really passionate about it. hmm and so yeah, of course, there's going to be conversations about that and whatnot. And uh, but in general, she's she's really supportive, and uh, yeah, she's my uh, biggest fan and uh, my crew and whatnot for for big races unfortunately she's not coming down to my next one for mm. kind of logistical and financial reasons financial, but <laughs> yeah, it takes, takes some money. To and take we've got the... kids and it's not yeah. really a kids related race as we'll yeah. get into <laughs> uh you say kids or just one child right now? we have two yes two, two. Yeah.
0: and uh, they are a names? boy and a girl
2: uh, sierra and logan, uh, and logan nine and seven years old nine yeah. and seven okay yeah. And Sierra ha- being the oldest,
0: have they uh, gotten the running bug? To, they have uh, finish actually. Line?
2: Yeah, they've done the run for water themselves. Sierra's done it four times now, oh, and my Logan's goodness. done it twice. So they both started when they were. 5 mm-hmm. yeah, um, both doing the 5k although Logan wants to do the 10k next year isn't that amazing yeah, he says he wishes there was a 15k because he oh. feels like the 21's a little much well, he's, <laughs> but you know, he's ambitious he's only 7 years old 7 and, uh, years old and actually I uh, threw the uh, Abbotsford Trail Running Club during the summer do, don't do do it as quite as much in the, the dark hours now but uh 7pm on Wednesdays We were typically going For a kids run With mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Similar age kids And you know Their parents run With the crew And whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we'd get You know sometimes A dozen kids out And they were really Feeding off of each other And we ran up to I think our longest run was eight or nine kilometers on trails with the kids, like wow. a two-hour run, and they were loving it. You know, wow. I just keep stuffing sugar in their mouth, and mm-hmm. just like us it, keeps us, it keeps them going.
0: Isn't that – and that's so <laughs> but, gratifying uh, to hear because, I mean, uh, you know, what the media tells us and what we kind of see on the surface is those darn kids nowadays, they're, you know, addicted to their cell phones and Nintendos. Well, that's, of course, old style, but – um, it, it's gratifying to hear. You know, the yeah. kids are out there doing the fun stuff, getting dirty in yeah. the wilderness, yeah, and absolutely. you know, uh, you know, our future's in good hands if they're yeah. doing that
2: right now. Not gonna lie, he plays some video games too. Yeah, but, <laughs> but his uh, his dreams to summit Mount Frosty and Manning right now. So we're working up to that. Maybe next year. Uh, he yeah. did elk this year, which was a, a big step forward because that's a decent summit. But mm. uh, yeah, no, it's it's really cool to see them getting excited about it. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you've certainly uh, made a progression from a 10K guy. Any early marathons that you care to tell us about?
2: Uh, my first marathon would have been in 2016, which, like I say, is the year it all kind of started really mm-hmm. getting going. I did the BMO one and uh, had a decent time, kind of blew up on the seawall at the end and uh, suffered a bit. But, uh, you know, wanted to keep coming back for more. And uh... how, did, how did the training for that
0: marathon ch- change compared to your
2: first 10K um, that was uh, the first time I, I really got a, uh, a training plan and kind of got serious about maybe st- structure. Uh, I've actually since kind of devolved from that because it felt like too much work to uh, mm. scale those tra- training plans up into ultra distances. Uh-huh. It, uh, I, I now try to be a little more spontaneous and just intuitive about how my body's feeling. Mm-hmm. So I feel like some template doesn't know my body as well as I do. Uh-huh. Um but yeah that that was the first time I really buckled down got serious tried to follow a a plan um to the T. um training went very well yeah I yeah I hit hit my goals pretty much although not, not quite like, I was 2 minutes shy of Boston qualifying and oh, uh, cuz I ran a 307 uh-huh. and uh like I say blew up on the seawall mm. I was on pace for it and everything mm. to to smash it but uh Yeah. Lesson learned, right? And you got to blow up a few times to to find out how to pace yourself, I guess. But a 307
0: (laughs) in your very first marathon, that's...
2: uh, Yeah, yeah. I I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So getting into the world of ultras, um, you must have had some crazy experiences either in uh, the racing of them or the training of them. I know there's some crazy stories, including getting an illness after winning your first 100 mile race. What was that about?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, I... That was thirteen months ago at Mountain Lakes 100 down in Oregon, which is on a beautiful section of the Pacific Crest Trail as it goes through some alpine lakes there.
0: So, um, what would it be close to as far as a town goes? Or uh, it, it so-
2: was east of Portland. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't. Uh, it was kind of near, do you know Detroit Lake area? A lot of people go on the way to Bend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyways, a beautiful section of trail. Um, Uh, Very, very runnable. It was 4,100 meters of climbing. So it sounds like a lot, but uh, spread out over 100 miles is not bad. Mm -hmm. Like you're only like 10% to kind of your max grades. Um, And so nothing that you really need to power hike unless you're hurting real bad, I guess, Mm -hmm. which happened later. Mm. Um, But um, yeah, I I went out at the front of the pack as naive first timers (laughs) that are a bit stupid Sometimes do, mm. and uh you know I remember kind of looking at the other guys beside me and thinking they're not really breathing as much as I am right no. now. I wonder if this is wrong, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know I just kind of kept going because it was still feeling pretty good. I, I ended up having uh, a pretty bad bout of cramping starting around twenty-five kilometers in, so I dropped. So off that's early, very I'll early, drop, yeah. and I I was very defeated mentally by it. Uh, It it happened for about 25k. I stopped. I started thinking about dropping. Mm -hmm. Uh, My calves were cramping. My quads were cramping. I think I was too excited at the start. It was a pretty cold, wet morning, but Mm -hmm. I kept my Arc'teryx jacket on and wasn't really drinking water. And I think Uh I was sweating under it a lot more than I realized Mm -hmm. because, like I say, it wasn't very hot out. But Mm -hmm. you know, jackets don't breathe as well as they claim to. (laughs) And uh, anyways, for whatever reason, I I started locking up. maybe I just pushed too hard at the start who knows uh-huh. but uh, yeah so I, I had pretty much thought about dropping I had a real kind of pity party at the mm. aid station where I saw my family and they convinced me to keep going I went to the next aid station at the 50k mark and um, again my dad was there and uh, just nice to have that family support. yeah yeah I chatted with the volunteers mm. until they literally kicked me out of the aid station they <laughs> said you better keep going and yeah uh, i started to realize hey it's i'm not cramping anymore you Ah. know standing around talking popping salt tabs and Uh eating chips must Mm. have helped and uh so then after that i had the best run of my life as far as i was crying joys of tear i was flowing like four minute kilometers on this beautiful section of trail Mm. and passing all these people catching up to the front again and uh because i had given up on the race the fact that it came back to me it, it just it like i say it 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 triggered this amazing bit of running for five hours. I would say uh, mm-hmm. around the hundred k mark or so, I started uh, hurting hurting bad again. And uh, at around 114 k, which was the last major aid station, kind of made I was in, back into fourth at that point, And I heard I was about 20 minutes back at the front, and I kind of made the decision that. It's you know it's I've been training all year for this it's it's time to it's time to give her so this was absolutely your a race absolutely okay. it was the only race I did last year okay wow yeah yeah Putting I, I put in a everything into it and in. I trained hard for right. it and um, so I I fairly recklessly stopped really eating I ran through all but one of the aid stations I think um, and so for the last 55 or no 50 kilometers 45 kilometers i guess it would have been mm-hmm. um yeah i just it was just head down and 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 go for the lead and i i passed one guy pretty early was into third the next guy maybe at like 130k 130k
0: this, K of running i'm yeah, just trying yeah. to wrap my head around
2: this <laughs> and and it was funny the guy that i passed it originally had been the one pushing the pace but he came in third he ended up having a low point yeah around then and then if you look at the flybys and his splits, he finished the race faster than anybody. Hmm. But that 15 to 20 K where he was hurting, yeah. uh, when I passed him, he was walking, his pacer was put, helping him put his coat on. Cause he was getting real cold. Hmm. Um, his body was shutting down, but somehow he got it back, which is one thing I love about ultras. And if that race had been a little bit longer, he probably would have caught us. Cause wow. he came within, I think five minutes and second place ended up being two minutes behind me. But so anyways, race, wow. When I, around, yeah, that point, about four hours from the end of the race there, so I would have been 13 hours into it, I started getting foggy in my left eye. Hmm. And, you know, I wear contacts, so I was like, oh, I got dust on my contact, I kind of moved it out of my eye, no nope, uh-huh. still still can't really see, and it, okay, and it got worse and worse and worse until I had lost vision in my left eye. Oh, wow, and, and running on
0: trails. and yeah, yeah, in
2: the dark. In, and, in the dark, yeah. I was going to add. Yeah, yeah. Oh. so I was getting a little scared, I, I didn't know what was going on, I thought, maybe i have a detached retina maybe it has something to do with really dry eyes i didn't really think it could be anything other than that like i just thought it was isolated to my eye um you know like maybe i haven't been blinking in the last 13 (laughs) hours because i've been concentrating so hard who knows um the
0: things you can tell yourself and yeah yeah that that far and and i was
2: hurting so bad at that point like there had been a actually a cougar death the first one in Oregon uh, about a week before 15 miles off the course and at that point I was thinking I hope that cougar comes back and just ends this yeah, right now right like <laughs> so so you go to some interesting headspaces in an ultra and you got to kind of step back from it be a little uh yeah like I say um kind of step away from your thoughts and be like hey, these aren't really reasonable thoughts right here you know <laughs> and kind of watch yourself as you go through this your lows and and your highs and yeah. whatnot and be a little objective about it maybe, but uh, but anyways um, the the eyesight started going my bladder was going wonky I was kind of trickle peeing like mm. every five minutes and then basically just started just trickling out all the time I had no more control of it okay. like I wasn't peeing much but it yeah it was, it was really like my body was just in really stressed um, but uh, yeah I, I passed the second place guy with the 15k to go And I rolled into the final aid station Which was 5k from the end And my parents were so Surprised to see me because they thought I was still back in like 4th because there was a huge section That weren't crew accessible So I hadn't seen them for like 5 hours of the night there and uh, yeah, they, they. Uh, I just, I just came in and I said, I hurt so bad. And my mom was like, "Get back out there! You're in first, You know, and she was so excited. And I kind of give her the gears now because, as it turned out, I was doing a lot of damage to myself. Oh, but, my. uh, but anyways, um, I, I got to the finish line. At one point, I ran through a patch of fog, and I thought, "Oh, oh God, I'm losing sight in my right eye now." Oh, um, and uh, but it thankfully was just a patch of fog. It mm. wasn't the onset of the other eye going. And uh, I collapsed at the finish line and couldn't even really raise my head to look at the race organizers. They told me I won and gave me my buckle, and that couple of people hauled me to the medical tent where I, I spent a, a bit of time there, just shaking and whatnot. They didn't put an IV in me or anything. I don't think they really knew what was going on. They just mm. fed fed me soup and covered mm. me with a bunch of blankets. And and you
0: were okay with the uh, digesting the soup. It didn't do yeah, nasty
2: things. Yeah. No, I was I was very cold at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, it it yeah I sipped it pretty slowly, but it, it was okay. Um, but yeah, the, um, the medics, uh, later, I guess they conferred, um, the next day and they told me that what I had was rhabdomyolysis. So say and, that again, uh, rhabdomyolysis. rhabdomyolysis. A lot of people Myiosis. just call it rhabdo. Rhabdo. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think mean? it's somewhat common in the fitness world. I've heard of like CrossFit people, like trying to give themselves it by pushing so hard or whatever, you know, it's, I don't know. It seems like a silly kind of badge of honor, but, uh, <laughs> I certainly didn't intend to get there. Um, but apparently it can be, it's, can be triggered by a lot of different things like drug overdosing or Mm. like car crashes or, but basically it's your kidneys are getting poisoned. Your kidneys are shutting down because of extreme muscle fiber death, uh, releasing Mm. toxins into the blood and your kidney tries to deal with it. And apparently, you know, too much of it and it starts failing. So it had nothing to do with dehydration or anything like that. I don't believe, uh, and i'm no doctor i just Mm. you know done done some googling since yeah but um but anyways uh my thankfully my eyesight came back about well it came back gradually the next day i'd say i had full sight by about the afternoon of the next day a hell of a relief (laughs) it it certainly was yeah yeah. i mean when i woke up the next day and it was already partially back i was Mm -hmm. like thank god right yeah but uh
0: And here's your Fitspeak 83 at the races. Starting things off in Abbotsford, Sumas Mountain to be exact, it was the third running of the Valley Verticular trail races put on by the Abbotsford Trail Running Club on Saturday, October 19th. We'll go first with the top three winners on the female side for the 16 kilometer event. Taking bronze was Jessica Temple in 2 hours and 16 minutes, second went to Danielle O'Neill in 2.05 and the female champion for the 16K was Brooke Spence, well under 2 hours, she went 1.57 for the men's 16K at the verticiller, Third was Noah Wise in a time of 2.05, silver was Justin Todd in 1.57, and crushing the rest of the field for gold in the 16K was overall race winner Mike McMillan in one hour and 40 minutes. With the 25K division, the men's side bronze was captured by Jeremy Waters in 2 hours and 25 minutes. Just 40 seconds faster for second was Warren Myers and taken first in the male 25 was Marcus Riebe, who blasted the course in just under 2 and a half hours. For the female 25, we had quite a range of times on the podium. Jordan Stahl got third with a time of 3.34. Second went to Alicia Woodside in 3.07, and the women's champion in the 25-kilometer event was Kat Drew from Vancouver in two hours and 51 minutes. The second big trail race to be held on Saturday, October 19th was at Cultus Lake for the Give or Take 30K event, and the overall winner, and of course, the female's champion, was Jenny Quilty in 2 hours and 49 minutes. 10 minutes back was Laura Bartel and in third it was Mel Castle in 3 hours and 4 minutes. For the men, first place was Mike Hanninen in 2.52. Dwayne Foley got second and was less than one minute back. Claiming bronze in the give or take 30k trail race was Jeremy Acker in 2 hours and 54 minutes. And that's your FitSpeak 83 at the races.
1: You just finished a race, having beaten someone by a couple minutes. At the finish line, a friend says, You really performed well today. You smoked that other person. You reply, I got lucky. I'm not that fast. And that other person probably didn't hydrate well. Your friend compliments the next finisher, who replies, Thank you, I almost had him. You believe what you hear yourself say. I'm Zach Neufeld, and this is Between the Ears. Today's topic is, you believe what you hear. This mental technique is featured in Don Fink's book, Be Iron Fit. He says, we're raised to be too modest, uncomfortable with compliments, and we're conditioned to dismiss them. From childhood to adulthood, for decades, we condition ourselves by becoming used to saying, oh, I'm not so fast. My competitors must have had a bad day. I was just lucky. The issue with this politeness amongst other people is that we begin to believe it ourselves. Hearing yourself say it over and over changes your beliefs about yourself. You talk yourself into it, and then you condition yourself to believe you aren't capable of great things. We cut ourselves short. How do we learn to control our thoughts? Learn to say thank you. Sure, things don't work out sometimes, but for many of us, most of the time, We are successful, and most of the time, great things happen. Lance Armstrong reflected after surviving cancer, I now have two kinds of days, good days and great days. This is the attitude we want to have. Things don't go our way at times, but we can focus on what great things are around the corner. Try this exercise to train yourself to put you believe what you hear into practice. It's called the positive affirmation game. Make it an ongoing challenge between you and your spouse or a friend you spend a lot of time with. Whenever you find the other person saying something negative about himself or herself, the punishment is to say something positive about yourself aloud five times. It must be true, and you have to say it like you mean it. For Between the Ears, I'm Zach Newfeld.
0: And that's it for another edition of Fitspeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. Fitspeak is brought to you by Wenting's Cycling Mission. Your Wenting's word of the week is ultra. Once again, your Wenting's word of the week is ultra. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether your goals are iron, golden, or ultra, our low client-to-coach ratio ensures you get the one-on-one time you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page to book your free consultation and goal-setting session. We'd like to thank our guest ultra-marathoner and uber-father, Ryan Shepard. Coming up next time on FitSpeak, we'll have our second part of our interview with Ryan. Mikey Ross will be back for his top five list, and we'll have your upcoming event schedule. For all of us at FitSpeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.